Hey, it's Desi, Christo, and Alec. Before we continue with this episode, I just want to talk about our sponsor for this episode, Anchor. If you haven't heard of them, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Do you think you need a full thousand dollars setup just to make a podcast? No way. You can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and you can distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Best of all, Anchor is 100% free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you for listening, and now let's get back to the rest of the episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Storytime with Desi. It is so good to be back, and for this week's upload, we actually have a new audio editor that's going to be helping us from now on with all the voice lines and all the editing which is a huge help i am so grateful for them to joining us and just even considering working with us as i still even though i have a lot of (laughs) helpers uh it is still very uh work dedicated industry that we're in but i'm always grateful to whoever works with us because it just warms my heart that they even want to help us so thank you to our new member of our team tyra for helping us out with this week's upload and for maybe even helping us out for the next hopefully few years or so we're so glad that you decided to join us and we hope that you stay with us for a very long time this is chapter eight of metal plague mafia boss staring down at the defeated opponent at my feet I watch his angered face as he narrows his eyes and stares at me with a murderous intent. Still, his strength does not last long as he slowly lowers his head down to the ground and stares at the sky. Slowing my breathing, my heartbeat begins to steady again after the ordeal, and applause begins to arise from the crowd surrounding us. Cheers and whoops echoed all around, filling the one empty silence. Looking around, I see the cheers and smiles coming from others. Do we have a chance? Do we actually have a chance to escape from this prison? My mind started racing at just the thought of being free again. My heart leaped with joy as I felt Gilbert jump on me from behind, trapping me in a tight embrace. Hugo, you did it! You really did it! We can be free! Gilbert shouted as I felt tears run down my back. Yeah. I guess I did, but why do you mind letting it go? I'm still a bit in pain, you know. Missing as he releases me from his embrace, I turn to face him and see Nova standing next to him. We look at each other as I hold my left arm, trying to stop some of the blood that flowed down my arm. She looks at Louis, who still remains on the ground, and then to me. Her worried demeanor turns into a joyous one as she smiles. Not bad. But you did have us on the fence towards the end there. Your friend over here was worried sick. She says, looking towards Gilbert, who goes into a blushing frenzy, causing me to laugh a bit under my breath. Well, I didn't think I would win either, but I'm full of surprises. I say while pulling a smirk onto my face, which makes Nova slightly blush. Huh, huh. well, I suppose that means you are the leader of the Mind Guard, eh? She asked. Looking towards Lewis's lackeys, still shocked by my surprise victory, looking back at Lewis, I see him starting to get up, but he's suddenly frightened by the sounds of gunfire. What's going on here? 
A grown man exclaims as he pushes his way through the crowd of stunned orphans with three other men close behind him. Once he made his way towards Gilbert, Nova, and me, he stares at Lewis, who's now sitting on the ground. The grown man slowly turns his gaze towards me, my grip tightened around my wound, as Nova and Gilbert try to conceal me from the cold stare from the man. Grab Lewis and the kid. I think Foss will want to know what happened here. The grown man ordered, and his men followed without question. Two of them went to go pick up Lewis, and one pushed past Gilbert and Nova, grabbing me from the wound on my arm. Hey, wait, you can't take him. He's done nothing wrong. I hear Nova shout. She reaches out a hand to grab me, but the man that held me shot her cold and stern stare, freezing her in place. Gilbert tries to follow me, but Nova stopped him by grabbing his arm before he could continue. Hey, let me go! He demanded desperately, but Nova stood still, concentrating her focus on me and the man grabbing me. You can't follow him. They'll beat you if you tried. She finally said, tightening her grip on his arm. Gilbert looked at me as tears flowed down his cheeks. My heart stopped when I saw his face. This is the first time I'd seen Gil crying in a very long time. I turned to Nova, who shares a similar expression of fright in her eyes. Hey, Nova, take care of Gil for me until I get back, okay? I ask, and she responds by nodding her head. With that, the man pulled me through the now silent crowd of orphans. Placing me and Louis on a cart, we began to move towards the roads that led up the spiral. As we moved up the spiral, the others below us began to look like ants as we got higher. It wasn't until we reached the surface that I saw where they were taking us. It was a giant building that resembled one of the factories that were near Hilston. Black smoke came out of the chimney, blown away by the gentle breeze. My eyes took in the scenery around us. It's been weeks since I last saw anything other than rocks and stone. Most of the land around us was covered with long and high grass that had turned yellow with the seasons. And towards the horizon, I could see a line of trees. Is it a forest? I can't make it out. It's too far away from us. After getting up to the surface, we head towards the factory. Its shadows tracing across the grass fields. Once at the entrance, heat flooded us as we stepped inside. The fear that had taken over me slowly melted away, transforming into wonder and curiosity. While fascination took over, I looked all around me and saw fire pits towards the end of the factory, and concluded that these were to be the source of the black smoke outside as workers shoved coals into the fire. Looking towards the middle of the factory, I could see workers pouring a scalding melted liquid that looked like lava. I watched as it cooled down and turned into sheets of some type of material. As wonder filled my eyes and mind, I took in every aspect of this unique operation. I also caught a glimpse of several objects that were covered with more white sheets that were hidden on the sidelines of the factory. They looked like nothing I've ever seen before with long sides that poked out of the white sheets and a small glimpse of wheels could be seen underneath the objects. 
are these things a type of automobile? I questioned myself as I tried to stop to get better look. I was then pushed by the captor, forcing me to move forward. As we continued to the back of the factory, we entered a small compact box that was hooked up to a giant coil. I stared in fascination at the contraption as nothing like this could ever be seen back in Helston. Entering the small box, one of the men closed the metal door and pulled a lever on the side of the box, causing us to move upwards. Incredible. I whispered while I examined the inside of the box. Steadily moving up to the next level of the factory, looking towards Lewis, I see if he shared my enthusiasm. I was a bit shocked to see him looking at the floor with a stern look in his eyes. Once the box had stopped, one of the men opened the doors and we continued on the second floor. Moving alongside the railing that overlooked the factory, I could see the door we were heading towards. It was a pure wood door with no windows, so there was no telling what was lying for us on the other side. When we were right outside the door, I heard a whisper next to me. Keep quiet. I heard Lewis whisper with his head down, his facial expressions failing to alter. What? <laughs> I asked, a bit shocked. This is the first time that he has spoken since we arrived. Before we could respond, a light shined in my face as the door opened, blinding me for a minute. We walked into what I could assume was an office, but spots had covered my vision. As my eyes began to clear again, I was able to make out more details of the office. The floor was covered with dark red wood flooring and concrete walls. The same wood wood acting as pillars along the walls. Several bookshelves covered the walls, filled with books on science, mining, and what appears to be some very old books. Cracked and dirty as if they were hundreds of years old. Walking up to a dark wooden desk, we stopped to a halt. No one was there, and a large window that overlooked the fussy provided the only source of light. A chair with a wooden back and leather cushions was the only thing visible behind the desk. What do you imbeciles want? I hear a cold and tired voice say from behind the desk. I would be lying if I said I didn't jump back from the initial shock. These two were causing the scene. They were fighting. What do you wish we do with them, sir? The head of the man said, tensing as he spoke. The leather chair then spun around to reveal a man with a cold black coat, golden buttons along the right contrasting the overlaps of the coat. The same golden buttons were on the cuffs of his sleeves, though in a smaller size. Again, I would be lying if I said that I didn't find the man intimidating since I had to control my body to avoid shaking. The man himself was more petrifying as he had deep blue eyes that resembled blue ice. His deep black hair was slicked back in a professional style, shining light from the window. He had a beard that was well trimmed, covering his entire face. His skin was also pale, almost showing no signs of life on the man, even though he looked no older than 30. Looking at me and Lewis, his eyes pierced into both of us as we looked at him. None of us spoke as silence sickened the air around us. It created an almost unsettling atmosphere. The man then broke the silence as he stood to walk around his desk in order to get closer to Lewis and me, his boots stomping with each step. 
who started it? He questioned, looking down at Lewis. Even though I could have sworn that Lewis was the same size as him, I felt like a mouse who was facing a tiger. Neither of us spoke, and the man just continued to stare at us with a piercing glare, resuming the silence as his scent chilled down my spine. My heart began to race once more as sweat fell from my brow. The man proceeded to grab my black leather glove from his desk, and a sudden stinging sensation could be felt on my right cheek, my eyes widening as I become stunned. He then leaned in but a few inches from my face. My breathing became heavy as the beating of my heart dropped. He then leaned in but a few inches from my face. My breathing becoming heavy as the beating of my heart drums in my ears. Let me ask this one more time, shall I? Who started it? He questioned once more, but this time his voice was more demanding and harsh. I- I did, sir. I started the fight to get more rations. He- he was just protecting himself, sir. Lewis blurted out. Stunning me since he confessed to something that he did not commit. The man turned his attention to Lewis and gave me a cold and icy glare. Hmm. Alright, take him away. You know what we do when someone gets out of line. He commanded as he waved his hand for the other man to take Lewis away. Y yes, sir. They replied as they grabbed Lewis by the arms, taking him out of the office. I was about to follow them until the man spoke up again. Hold on, boy. What's your name? He asked, looking at me as I was about to walk away. I was hesitant at first, but I responded to avoid getting slapped again. Hugo, sir. Hugo Ock, I responded. Upon hearing my surname, the man looked a bit shocked, but then he soon shook it off. How peculiar. Very peculiar, the man said as he walked over to me, starting to examine me as he circled me like a predator, studying his prey. What, what is, sir? I asked as he continues to examine me. Well, if you must know, I've only known one person of all of England to have the very same surname as you. They were very dear friend of mine a long time ago, he responded. He then stopped in front of me and looked down at me. You look like them too, I heard him mumble, but I pretended to not hear as I was afraid of punishment if I even spoke out of turn. So tell me, Hugo, what of your family? Do you have any living relatives? He asked as he poured a type of whiskey into a small cup. No, sir. My mother died when I was young. We have no family here, I responded, trying to remain calm. But after speaking about my mother, he froze. And what of your father? He asked while taking a sip from his drink. I openly admit that I did shudder a bit at the smell of the whiskey as it brought forth some questionable memories. Well... He asked again. Uh, 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 he died when I was too young to remember. My mother told me he died of yellow fever, sir. 
I responded as I tried to straighten my back. The man's attention was now focusing out the window that looked over the pussy. Hugo, tell me about your mother. What was she like? He asked as he focused continued to be turned to the window. She was kind, caring, and selfless. She always tried to give me as much love as she could since she couldn't give me much more than that. She was the only person that cared about me. She was brilliant. I remember I would make traps and inventions to release on our landlord for when he tried to enter our home when rent was due. My mother never got mad at me, though. She always told me that I got my smarts from her. She even gave me one of her old journals to write down my inventions in. I said, not even realized I was chewing up a bit at the thought of her. Her warm smile and the softness of her hands when she would stitch up a wound that I had received from the landlord. She sounds like a wonderful woman, Hugo. The man responded as he looked back towards me. Yeah, she was. I said, as I wiped the tears from my eyes. The man then placed the glass cup on the desk and walked up to me. You know, Hugo, you remind me of someone I knew long ago. A friend of mine shared the exact same brilliance as I when we were younger. I could use someone like you for the future that we're making here, lad. He said as he placed a hand on my shoulder. Might I ask what that future is? I questioned as I remember what I saw in the factory. The man just grinned as wrinkles appeared on his face. A future when men like us can live like kings. He responded, sounding a bit enthusiastic at his statement. Hugo, you wouldn't happen to have the journal with you, how would you? He asked as he looked up and down at me as if he was searching for it. His grip tightened a bit on my shoulder, causing a bit of pain to shoot down my spine. I gripped my left side as I had the book hidden under my coat my fingers having a steady hold of the book from the outside of my coat. I slowly shook my head. Only after a minute did the man release his grip from my shoulder. Ah, well done. Perhaps I should send you on your way, Hugo. Perhaps next time we meet, we could take a look at that journal. Oh, and please stop by the clinic tent outside before heading back to the fussy. Wouldn't want those wounds to get worse, now do we? He said as I walked towards the door and placed my hand on the doorknob. Yes, sir, I responded. Please, Hugo, call me Percival. And that's the end of chapter 8 of Metal Blake. I hope all of you have enjoyed. This was a bit more interesting chapters as we get to finally meet the big bad of metal plague if you guys didn't get the hint already <laughs> but i hope you do like principal or at least what his character is like even though he is the big baddie i actually had enjoyed making 
first of all, before even making this chapter, I always knew what he was supposed to like sound like. I hope I delivered that as I wanted to voice him so badly. <laughs> but I hope that worked out. I hope all of you have enjoyed the chapter. And all of you have enjoyed the chapter. I just want to give a huge shout out and thank you to Tyra for helping me out with this episode. And for maybe even helping me out for many future episodes to come. And I hope you decide to stay with us for a very long time as we're so grateful to you and for your help and just your dedication to this podcast. Before we sign off, I just want to say, if you like what we do here, what me and my friends do, then you can support us. Go to the link in the description of each episode and go to our Patreon where you can see our three tiers that we have set up there that can have many benefits to you as you can also help support us monthly from supporting us with $3 all the way to $9 and you can get uh, benefits ranging from shoutouts, early access, bloopers, and even digital copies of the stories so that way you can do a little read-along or even read them on your own time if you don't want to listen to them. But I hope all of you have enjoyed this is a lot of fun to do, I will admit, and definitely if this was a other person, I would definitely have this podcast as my Valentine's as I do dearly love it, even though I've been doing it for a few months. I also enjoy doing it and just have fun with it a lot, and yeah, I just want to say thank you to Tyra, thank you to my entire crew, and have a great Happy Valentine's Day, and I hope you enjoyed that day with whoever you love or like, be a gal, lad, or something in between. This is your host, Desire Gomez, and see you next time. Bye!